listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, right now, the NFC East odds, we're straight out of Vegas with those odds. Philadelphia plus 110, the favorite. Dallas plus 115. So neck and neck, <laughs> both teams are, are plus money. Now think about this. If the two obvious favorites are plus money, it means that they are giving a real, tangible chance the Giants or Washington wins this division. Because if you didn't think there was any chance of that, Jonas, it'd be real easy. Bet Dallas, bet Philadelphia. When one of them win, you win. Plus 110, plus 115. Do the math, right? You win, in that case, $15 or $10. Or think of it this way, as uh, you're betting 200, so like 7.5% or 5%. Now, how long does it take you to make 5% on your money in the bank? Quite, mm. quite the long while. How about 7.5%? Even longer. But you could make either of those five, based on who wins, right? So if Dallas wins, you'd make $15. For every 200 you risk, 100 and 100 on both the teams. If it's Philly, $10. And you know what? The books don't give money away. You know what? It's telling you there's a real chance that the Giants or Washington wins this division. I bet everyone's saying, I can't see it. Okay? Then maybe you should be taking that easy money the sports books are offering you. Hmm. I question that. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, let's get us started. Our preview of every game in the NFL this weekend, and we get started with Steve Fezzik's best bet, and that game is on the Browns and the Bengals right now on pregame.com. Cleveland's a three-point favorite. And I'm on Cleveland as my best bet. Fundamental advantage for Cleveland's offense. Cleveland's a top five football team running the ball. The Bengals are a bottom five defensive team stopping the run. We saw that domination week two where Cleveland ran all over the Bengals, crushed them on the ground. Cleveland ran up 200 plus yards. But they only won by five points. Why did Cleveland not cover that game? It was about the Bengals getting incredibly lucky on fourth down, five for five in their conversions. And you know what? If they convert that much in this game, the Bengals will find a way to cover. I don't see it happening. I'm on Cleveland minus the three. So five for five was on the one drive? Last, it was in the fourth quarter, last two drives. Okay. So the theory is that if they don't convert all five of those – Somehow Cleveland covers. Yes. I don't know. It's always curious that when the results, I agree that Cleveland is a running team and the Bengals aren't a good running defense. I agree with you there. Over six yards of carry in that first game for the Browns. But what happened to this Joe Burrow? I remember it wasn't just that long ago that you had the Bengals against the Ravens and your handicap was... Steve, why do you like this pick? And the response was Joe, Joe Burrow. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, and Joe Burrow completely was a no-show in that game. I do think Joe Burrow is going to be a good quarterback. But, but uh, were you betting him two weeks ago because he's going to be a good quarterback? <laughs> no. So th- what's changed? I want to understand. Joe, Well, it's Joe a lot Burrow. easier to get in the back door when you're catching double digits versus when you're only catching three points. 
All right, Jonas, don't forget that. It's a lot easier to get in the back door in certain situations. <laughs> All right, and to the NFC East we go, RJ. We're right now the Cowboys are a one-point favorite at Washington. If you saw or even read about or heard about the Monday night game, you want no part of Dallas. And you know what? I don't either. I want no part of Dallas. But I think if you dig into the box score – your conclusion is a little different than you might think. The defense is horrible. We knew that coming in, but you know what? They didn't have the fight you would hope they did. Literally, the last four possessions for Arizona, Arizona scored three times. When Arizona's winning by 20-plus points, you're embarrassed on national TV and still you couldn't stop. Dallas couldn't stop Arizona. That's a lack of heart. That, I don't know how that gets better. But on the other hand, you think Andy Dalton, the red water pistol, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, if you actually look at it, Dallas had six straight possessions that they gained 30-plus yards. In the first five of those, they scored a combined three points. It's almost impossible to have five possessions that go 30-plus yards each and only score three points. So to me, Dallas is D, forget about it. I want no part of it. The offense may be a little underrated. Thus, I might be looking at Dallas over the team total. I don't like Washington all that much. I don't like Flipper. But I'll tell you this, Dallas is going to keep scoring, I think. And I know the whole weak offensive line, blah, blah, blah. Fez, by the way, you got to pick on this, don't you? <laughs> I do. It's on Washington. It's about Washington's good defensive line against that Dallas O-line missing four starters, and Dallas is missing two backups on yeah, their O-line yeah, yeah, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your position on Flipper? I'm not betting Flipper. I'm betting on the Washington defensive line. Flipper is my number 32 quarterback in the league. Hey, let's try that again and see if you can scream like loud <laughs> enough to get way up. Let's see if you can do it. One sec. Hold on. Right. They call him Can you hear me? <laughs> what would stop you from talking? Like, what, what on earth would stop you from talking? <laughs> it appears to be impossible. All right. So this is one of your seven picks. Now, let's give the guy credit. He might not understand he shouldn't scream over music, but he went six and one last week on his seven. So we got to keep listening. So, RJ, we continue on, and we find the Atlanta Falcons a one-point favorite hosting the Lions on pregame.com. I did a study last night, actually, and I'm not really done with it, but one of the things I've tried to do is I say, you know, how do you understand these box scores? When is it important? Because you hear people say, well, that those 200 yards don't matter, and but those 100 yards do, and I'm like, ugh, that feels so subjective. And I hate subjectivity. So what I did was I said, okay, I want to see every play of a game in which a team is within 14 points in the first half. So to me, even if you're down 14, it's still fairly competitive. In the third quarter, I want to see every play that's within 10 points. And in the fourth quarter, every play within seven points and overtime every play. And I went through, and you're able to do that. It takes a little bit of work. And I pulled out all the plays, and then I looked at yards per attempt, looked at their scores in those situations, and their first down percentages. And one of the teams that really stuck out 
was how bad Detroit is in these competitive games. And I get it. Detroit's had times they've had a big lead. They've had times they've given up big leads. But in the times when they're competitive, they actually are as bad as you might think or even worse. I want no part of Detroit. Atlanta with the new coach, after seeing that energy in week one of the new coach, Morris, I have no reason to think, no reason to think that Atlanta is going to be flat. I don't see who rationally could be batting Detroit here. And I'm on Detroit, and this is my weakest pick of the oh, seven. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. But it's all about Detroit's offense being better. The rookie, Swift, finally took over the bulk of the carries last week. They're better running back now. And wide receiver Galladay has not been healthy. He finally looked fully healthy last week. Galladay's only played three games. So the magic people, the magic mystery men in the shadows are going to emerge, and it's going to be awesome. We continue on with our preview of every game in the NFL this weekend, and we go to New Orleans where the Saints are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Panthers? I think we got to, you know, Jonas, you might be familiar with this. When somebody knows something, let's say Chris Broussard, he, he's connected in the NBA. The odd couple follows us every day. He's as connected as you get in the NBA. But sometimes Chris can't say what it is that he Really, he can't explain why he knows something because of the source. So it's a situation where he'll hint at it. And I guess my question is to you, Jonas, have you seen that before? And I just, you know, knowing Colin like I do, there's times that he'll say, oh, yeah, here's why I think this. But then a week later, you'll hear him talk about it, but he won't mention that source because he can't. But you can kind of tell, or at least I've learned to tell, when someone's got more than they're letting on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you'll you'll state that there's an issue, but you can't get into specifics because you'll out your source if you do so. Yeah, and I've heard a couple of people say there's more going on in New Orleans than meets the eye, meaning dissension, trouble, mm-hmm. conflict, whatever you want to call it. Doesn't mean I don't want to play them. It means I'm a little apprehensive about playing them. But on the other hand, the Saints are the best team in October we've ever seen. And you might say, well, that feels random, October. Why October? Well, it's because, or at least it seems to be because, just like Belichick, Sean Payton looks at September as an extended preseason, and then come October, they're really rounding into shape. There's something – there's a little variation because there were some tight spreads, but it's something like 22-3 and three if you go back against the spread in October. So I can't bet against the Saints, but I don't want to bet on them with the, the potential of this conflict being not just from one source but multiple sources. To the AFC East we go where the Bills are 10-point favorites at the Jets on pregame.com. This has been a drastic move, drastic in favor of the Jets when Flacco was announced out and Sam Darnold was announced in. And to me, it's justified. But it was even bigger than I expected. So the line was in the 13 range when it was uncertain who was going to start. And now it's down to 10.5. You might say, oh, 2.5 isn't all that much. But remember, the 13 assumes that there was a chance that Darnold was going to play. There was, it wasn't like there's no chance and all of a sudden he's starting and the line moved two and a half. 
built into the 13 was the assumption that he could play. So my thought is if Flacco had been announced the starter, the line might have went to 14, 14 and a half. So we're saying Sam Darnold, who may not even be a starting quarterback next year in the NFL, is worth three and a half, four points over Flacco. And Fez, before Flacco started playing this year, we had it pretty much even, right? Yeah, I had a one and a half points, so real close together. Exactly. So, so you had Sam Darnold one and a half points batter? Yes. Wow. I wish you would have told us. I never heard that. But either way, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying in your mind you didn't say it. I don't. Do you remember that, Jonas? I don't remember that. Yeah, specific. it's interesting. But let's just say it's true. Did you have any picks that we don't know about on any of those games? <laughs> no. All right. But the fact is, Flacco, as a former Steelers fan, or as a Steelers fan, and obviously a former rival, I don't like Flacco. But, man, objectively, he is at the end of the road. Darnold is an upgrade, and the line's only 10 and a half. I still kind of like the Bills. Because uh, Darnold's better. But I tell you, as much as I want to bet the Jets, and I do because you want to bet the bad teams, the Jets are extra bad. They've lost three in a row, even though they won the turnover battle in each of the games. First NFL team to do that in 11 years. The Jets are that bad. Following their blowout loss at Tampa Bay, the Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Texans. Now, this one's an easy one. Houston, if you look at it on paper, is better than their record. So your thought is, okay, let's look at the power ratings and say, hmm, maybe Houston here. Here's why I disagree with that. Houston is not a computer ranking. They are human beings that have dreams, aspirations, ambitions, et cetera. And you know what? At one in five, this is a lost year. They're not making the playoffs. They're not doing anything except limp into the finish line. And because of that, you look at all the power ratings, it doesn't account for the human element. Look at the Tennessee-Houston. Tennessee was only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. So an undefeated team against a one-win team, and the undefeated team's at home. Somehow, someway, think about this. Tennessee is what, one-and-a-half against Pittsburgh now? And they were only three-and-a-half against Houston? Wow. In the same venue? Are you telling me that's legit? Yeah, I think it is, power ratings-wise. But where's the human element? And I know that it was a bad break on Tennessee and, and, and the way that went down and the way that game went, you know, over time, then it went. But you know what? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe as humans, it was the mistakes or Cornell making certain decisions. I don't know. But what I know is I never talked to a power ratings guy that accounts for the human factor. And I don't think you can ignore it when a team only has one win and effectively Houston has a lost season. RJ, we've got Collins pick number six on the 49ers and the Patriots coming up and also your best bet on the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals as well towards the end of the show, which means we move now to the AFC West where the Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites at the Broncos. I don't remember a team in memory that has been a flip the switch team like Kansas City, meaning that some weeks they look great. They destroy the Ravens. They handle Buffalo like it's no big deal, and then they lose to the Raiders, and they so struggle against the Chargers. 
they're an old school flip the switch team. And you know what? You might think, huh, they're an eight point favorite here. It's, a, it's an easy one. Maybe they won't be as focused because they just came off that Buffalo game. Maybe, but don't forget, you got to look ahead in the schedule too. Next week, Kansas City plays the Jets. The look-ahead line was over 20 in that game. So, yeah, maybe they'll say we get two weeks off, but I think playing the Jets next week increases the chance that Kansas City is focused this week. And I'm on Kansas City, minus the eight here. Last year, Drew Locke played one horrible game. That was in the snow against Kansas City. Well, now this game is going to be in the snow again against Kansas City. I'm on Kansas City. All right. That was a pretty good handicap. All right, so, RJ, we go to your backyard. It's Las Vegas where the Raiders are hosting the Buccaneers. Hopefully, right now, Tampa Bay, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. Yeah, it's off the board in many spots. COVID uncertainty. And obviously, this is a complex topic, but I will say this. A lot of people are confused about the Patriots and how they played so poorly, though Tennessee played so well when they were off a lack of practice. To me, we spent the entire offseason talking about how teams with new coaches and new quarterbacks would need more time. And I think we've seen that to be true. And don't forget, as great as Belichick is, he still has a new quarterback. And it kind of makes sense in hindsight they did so poorly. Now, if the game does play, you got to ask yourself, how thinned out are the O-line? Is What's the lack of practice mean for the Raiders? So as much as we're trying to piece together logic and how to do all this, I still don't got it figured out. And my advice is, if you're uncertain, watch. As the weeks go by, we're going to learn more and more. I, there's no chance I'm going to play this Raiders game because I don't know enough to know how to handle these scenarios. And if you know when you don't know something as a batter, that can be the most important thing you know Be conservative. The L.A. Chargers are nine-point favorites hosting the Jags. You got this one, Fez. You can start with this. All right, I am on the Chargers here. I'll lay it, and it's all about Herbert. Remember, that we thought the Chargers were going to be an average team. They're supposed to win eight games. Well, that's because they didn't have any quarterback play. Now with Herbert, they've got a really good quarterback. I'm laying the points. You're laying the points because of the quarterback they've had for the last six weeks. Yes, he's greatly exceeding expectations. So you think the market underrates him? Yes. <laughs> Boy, you <laughs> I gave you a call. I mean, that is that really the handicap? So you would play Herbert in any situation charges that, did you play him last week? No. Why not? Maybe because they well, want to buy? Well, I lo- <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love the fact they're playing against Jacksonville and Jacksonville. But what? You didn't mention Jacksonville. Jacksonville's given up 30 points five straight weeks. So Jacksonville's bad, Herbert good. <laughs> Is that your <laughs> is that your six pick? Yes. I bet. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So, RJ, we continue on with our NFL previews. We've got one left before we get to the best bet and Collins pick number six, and that is in Nashville, where the Titans are one point favorites on pregame.com hosting the Steelers. Our job is to aggregate good information. On Thursday, usually he's on the show Wednesday, Thursday, Matty Holt, who is a former bookmaker, and now he's within a, he owns his own integrity company, made a great point. He said, Pittsburgh has already prepared for this game. 
Remember the week when we were uncertain of the Tennessee COVID status? Pittsburgh was practicing, prepping, game planning, and then the game was canceled. And no one liked, with the Steelers, the idea that their bye was going to be taken up when they were practicing that week. And you know what? Maybe they got some extra anger over that. But I don't really need that because I know this is effectively the second week the Steelers are preparing. And to me, that's a big advantage. That was a Matty Holt insight here that I heard nowhere else, and it bears repeating. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Oh, Fez, you got this one. Let me yeah, think. I'm- Go ahead. I'm on Pittsburgh also. Tennessee overrated four very close wins against losing teams. I'll take Pittsburgh in the point. So four close wins against losing teams. How's this sound? We're going to listen to Colin now. I want you to name the four losing teams when we come back. Oh, you got it now. Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Houston. Okay. Well, I thought Houston was like a great – didn't you have Houston last week against Tennessee? Yes. Yeah, they did all right, didn't they? And Still they, overtime. Well, I'm I'm confused though. They covered the spread, so you're saying Tennessee should be actually damned because they covered the spread. Boy, to live in Fezzik world. All right, let's listen. This is the world premiere. Colin Cowherd's pick number six. Let's go. go. No, no. Hey, that's great football now. It's Collins. Bonus pick only for R.J. Bell. Pick number six. I would have taken San Francisco plus two and a half at New England for two reasons. The Niners' defense, despite Bosa's injury, DeForest Buckner leaving, ranks top five in total defense and passing defense. It's still good. And Cam Newton's passer rating has declined in each game this year. He looked good against Seattle. Well, now everybody's looked good against Seattle's defense. I think San Francisco's a better team. I think they really, they got healthier last week. I think they have excellent outside weapons, and I think New England is the slowest offense in the league. I would take the Niners plus two and a half. What would the wise guys think? I'm going to disagree here pretty strongly, and we did some original research, and we have a researcher, McKenzie. He's a Yale graduate, Colin. We got a guy from Yale yes. who did research for us, and he came out, you know, I said, let's look at Belichick against former quarterbacks that he had right jimmy g obviously being one of them this is very fascinating in those games there's been 14 times belichick has gone against a former quarterback of his 11 and 3 against the spread for new england and if you look at the number of points expected to be scored by the team the opponent they scored six less points per game less than 14 per game by his uh, former pupils. So when he understands you as a quarterback, look out, especially if you're a limited quarterback. Well, Jimmy G, you might say he's not limited or not as limited. Okay, maybe, but he's still a little hobbled from that ankle. So if there's anyone in the world I wouldn't want to be playing if I'm the 49ers, it's Belichick who historically 11-3 against the spread against former pupils and with Jimmy G a little bit hobbled. I also believe the following. New England, why did they look so bad last week? Because they didn't practice? Well, you might say Tennessee didn't practice before Buffalo, but Tennessee had Tannehill in his second year, Henry, that team very much didn't need as much practice because they have a lot of time together. Cam is a new quarterback in a new system. Belichick's been revealing parts of the playbook one increment at a time. I thought the Pats were susceptible big time to being hurt by a lack of practice. 
Now, a full week of practice, I think you can sort of dismiss last week. And because of that, I like the Patriots. Okay, I like the Patriots. Fez, you got a pick. Hmm. I like the Patriots. Patriots. We don't need to hear. We know. Just say what RJ said. All right, here's my best bet. And I like Arizona here. And here's the rationale, and it's pretty simple. Seattle is a team that's been shockingly effective in the red zone. 25 scores this year, 23 touchdowns, only two field goals. Now, that is just not sustainable. I don't care how good Russell Wilson is. And it's skewed all of their game results. If you actually just take one four-point play away in three games, they would be, or Seattle, 1-4 and four against the spread. If they were 1-4 and four against the spread, I can promise you there wouldn't be so much love for Seattle. My best bet, Arizona plus 3.5.